0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, is a condition in which a woman's level of sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone, are out of balance. This leads to the growth of ovarian cysts, benign masses on the ovaries. PCOS can cause problems with a woman's menstrual cycle, fertility, cardiac function, and appearance. And joining us today is Stacy Debris of West Virginia, who is going to tell her story of dealing with polycystic ovarian syndrome and heroin addiction. Stacy, thank you very much for doing this. It's great of you to tell your story.
1: Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, I'm wondering why you want to tell your story of uh, PCOS and heroin addiction.
1: Well, because. The PCOS people think that it's incurable and once they have it, that the infertility and everything's just the hand that they were dealt. And that's what I had thought until I started taking cannabis oil and I had only taken it to get off heroin. I was a heavy daily heroin abuser for eight or nine months at the highest. I was up to two bundles a day of heroin. Um, I had OD'd twice. And they brought me back with narcan and finally my family convinced me to quit and move home and get clean so i moved home i went cold turkey off of heroin and the withdrawals were horrible um just sicker than i'd ever been miserable depressed and i met a friend online and he talked to me asked me if i was smoking weed to get through the withdrawals. And I told him, no, I, w- I never smoked before. I didn't even know that the two could be used. And I didn't even with being new back in town in West Virginia, I wouldn't even know where to get weed even if I wanted to. So he asked for my address and said, you know, if you trust me, I'll, I'll take care of you. And for some reason I gave him my address. And about a week later, I got a package in the mail and said from granny and There was the RSO cannabis oil in there. And he said, start taking it daily that it would help the withdrawal. So I started taking a pea-sized amount every night before bed. Um, It was too strong. It would make me go to sleep during the day. So I would only take it at night. Immediately, my insomnia was gone. I stopped taking my Xanax and Trazodone I didn't need Ambien, any of that, to get to sleep after I started taking it. Within probably two weeks, I noticed I felt better. My depression was going away. The heroin withdrawals immediately subsided. Um, the sickness, diarrhea, sweats, the um, restless leg, all of that just went away. That's. I don't mean to try and sound like it was magical overnight, but it really was. It it stopped the withdrawals. I had no clue that there was any other medical benefits to taking this. I just thought I was, you know, smoking or taking weed. And I really didn't know much about it. And then I started noticing every morning when I would check my blood sugars, because I had been a diabetic, the PCOS, It had me up to 450 pounds at one point, um, full facial hair. My hair was falling out. I never had a regular period. I had gone through fertility treatments. In 2011, they decided to tell me that the only way that I could even possibly cure the PCOS was to get gastric bypass surgery. So I had the surgery and I lost weight. And it was the first time in my life that I'd been able to lose weight, but it didn't take care of the high blood pressure, the hair loss, the facial hair, the other symptoms from the PCOS. The hormone problems were still there. I still wasn't menstruating regularly. So.
0: You still knew something was wrong with you?
1: Yeah, there was still definitely something wrong with me.
0: Yeah. So you were 450 pounds. Yes. Was that uh, something, were you heavy all of your life?
1: Yeah, ever since I was little, um, school was horrible. I was bullied all through school. I'd always dealt with depression from it. Um, it's It causes so many other problems. Like even just the fact that it makes you so obese and it's so hard to lose weight, that brings on a whole other set of the problems that... PCOS may not directly cause depression and anxiety, but the side effects from it being so heavy and having facial hair and your hair is falling out, you're going bald. It really, it causes severe depression.
2: Well, your whole self-image is affected.
1: And that's exactly it. You just, you hate yourself and you try to lose weight and you can't. And then you eat from depression and it just, it's a vicious cycle. Then you end up getting bigger and it was horrible. So I had the surgery and I did lose weight. I got down at my lowest. I was down to 150 pounds, but I still was dealing with pre-diabetes, high blood pressure and all the menstrual issues and the cyst on my ovaries didn't go away. So after I had the surgery, and I got down and lost the weight. I tried to get pregnant again. They said, oh, well, now that you've lost this weight, it should reset your body and you should be ovulating. And I still wasn't ovulating. So we started Clomid, a fertility And I would do three months on, three months off. I did this for probably nine months, possibly a year. But I know nine months for sure of the Clomid rounds. Never got, never had any success didn't even conceive and like miscarry it just didn't happen i wasn't i still wasn't ovulating and then my ovaries were covered in cysts so they put me on birth control and said we'll do this for six months that should get rid of the cyst and then you should be able to get pregnant after that well that didn't work either um i never conceived after the birth control so my mother-in-law at the time came into some money through an inheritance and she offered to pay for a round of in vitro fertilization and this was like our last hope last chance and we were so convinced that because we're spending all of this money it has to work like it it has to how can it not right, yeah. we're spending all of this money that we could use to buy a house even it, it just has to work well how much was iv
2: you- how much was ivf sorry to interrupt there
1: it was in the neighborhood of $20,000. Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, it was it was really expensive. All the appointments, the preparation, and then none of the eggs. They said, you know, this is just the hand you've been dealt. We've tried everything. You might want to start looking into adoption because we just, it's not going to happen. The sisters are too big. You have too many. And even the gastric bypass surgery should have been the the cure and it wasn't. So I'd lost the weight but I still had all of the other problems from the PCOS. That um, must
2: have been pretty devastating to hear even though you've gone through all of this and taken all those steps. They're basically looking oh my God, at you it, and saying you're out of options.
1: Yeah, it it killed me. It you know, it ruined my relationship. We ended up splitting up because it, the stresses and the arguing and the guilt of not being able to give a child. And then I even, I don't even blame him for leaving. Um, I I couldn't imagine not being able to have a child and I felt bad not being able to give him one. So we split up. It caused horrible depression. I became a really bad alcoholic. Um, drugs didn't bother me. I had nothing to live for. I mean, why? Why not be a drug addict? I, I'm not a parent. I have nobody. I have nobody to live for, and that's how I felt. Honestly, I had nobody to live for. I didn't care if I lived or died. I didn't care that I was a heroin addict. I didn't care that I was a hardcore alcoholic. It didn't matter. Why does it matter? You know, is, is that when you um,
2: started the heroin when after yeah. the snooze and your marriage split up?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we split up like right after the IVF didn't work, and they told me to start looking into adoption. We split up, and I rebounded with this guy who had been a junkie and a crackhead his whole life. And of course, you know, it's easier to pull somebody down than it is to pull somebody up. Mm -hmm. So I ended up following in his footsteps and became a pretty big junkie. Just to just make it be frank. I was a junkie and I didn't care. I had nothing to live for. It didn't bother me. And that was, that was my biggest obstacle to overcome. Like, why get clean? You know, I
2: yeah, you didn't have anything. You didn't have a yeah, reason to get clean. Is no. what I hear you saying and
1: the drugs and alcohol. Just that was my coping mechanism. That's what made me that filled that void and that loneliness of not having a child and not having a family. Because that, that was my dream. My entire life was to be a mom and have a big family. That's all I'd ever wanted. And it almost killed me to hear that it just wasn't going to happen.
0: Stacey, what was a day like for you when you were into uh, heroin and alcohol?
1: Oh, God. Um, You wake up first thing in the morning, and my go-to drink was vodka and OJ. So instead of coffee for normal people, I'd wake up and make a vodka and OJ, and we would begin our day of either trying to hustle up money to get heroin or stealing things to return and get money to get drugs it was an everyday fight. You know, you, you're you're going to get the money somehow and you don't care because you don't want to get sick. And the only way to not face your problems is to be high, because once you're high, everything's OK. Nothing's wrong. You know, you have this false sense of euphoria and it doesn't matter that I don't have kids. And you think these other junkies are your friends and they're not. They're riding your coattails to see if you can get any or who can get money. It's just, you know, nobody's really your friend. Everybody's in it for the drugs. Um, Sorry to interrupt. You spoke
2: of doing um, two bundles a day. What is a bundle?
1: A bundle is a pack of 10 stamp bags full of heroin. I would need at least one bundle to get through the day. A good day would be if I could get two or three bundles. And there are... They were $80 a piece. You'd get 10 bags for $80. I started snorting it. I wouldn't do the IV use because in my opinion, I wasn't that bad if I'm not shooting it Mm -hmm. up. But Mm -hmm. after a few months of snorting it, everybody gets on you and they're like, you're missing the real high, the best way to do this. You know, you got to do it this way. And you're, you're wasting your money basically. So I started the IV use. I OD'd twice and was brought back from Nar- with Narcan. Um, and finally, towards the end, with the last week that I lived in the city with my ex, he OD'd three times in one week. And I couldn't take waking up every morning and finding him essentially dead. I was scared. I started ODing. That's when I'd started ODing. Um, my mom and grandma were calling me, begging every day, crying. They're not sleeping. They want me home. And I just, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take watching him anymore. We got into a big fight. And one day in the middle of the night, I don't know, something in my head just clicked. And I said, You know what? I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm going home. The next morning, my mother drove up from West Virginia. We packed my stuff. I got high for the last time. And I came home. And I. While I give big credit to the cannabis oil, I do just wanna say that if somebody is struggling with a drug addiction, the best way to do it is change your people places and things. If I would not have moved, if I would have not gotten out of that town and away from my friends that were using, I probably never would have stuck to being clean.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's very good advice. Change your people it places is. and you've, things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You've gotta get away from the people that are helping you use because they don't want you to quit. They want you to stay addicted because that's one more person that they have in their pocket to if they're sick they can contact to try and get some or you might have some money or you might feel bad for them and get them high out of your supply. You know, they don't want you to quit. That's essential to their survival as other addicts. So,
0: so Stacey, Getting away. From- yeah. Stacy, you went back home with your your mother <laughs> and uh, yeah. you went to uh, Cold Turkey. I understand.
1: Yeah. I quit cold turkey.
0: Um, How was that? The first day
1: wasn't real bad. The first day I was like, oh, I can do this. I mean, I didn't feel great, but it wasn't horrible. And then day two hit and you've got nonstop diarrhea and throwing up. You're shaking. You've got the sweats. You can't sleep at night. Your arms and legs start twitching and jumping. and You can't stop it. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't sit down and concentrate on anything. And your emotions are on such a roller coaster. Like I was suicidal for like a whole week. I couldn't take it. I couldn't do it. I didn't use Suboxone, Methadone, anything, and it was just it was hell. I, I give props to anybody who goes through this because it really is hell. People don't understand what people go through to get clean. Um,
0: how did your family handle it?
1: Once they had me home. It was like, okay, this this doesn't exist anymore. We don't talk about it. It never happened. You're home. It's done. Still to this day, the only people that even know that I was on heroin are my mom and grandma and the people up in Pittsburgh that I used to know. Um, I've never told my friends, my fiance that I currently have, the father of my child. He doesn't even know that I was ever an addict. He knows that I had tried heroin and he knows the story of my ex being a user, but I guess it's just my own paranoia. Like, I don't want people to know I'm ashamed of what I had become. I know that, you know, I came out of it, but people don't hear that. Once, you know, a lot of people think once a junkie, always a junkie. And as of this, this coming June, I'll have four years clean. So,
0: do you know what I don't think it you should possible. i don't think you should be ashamed of what what you were. I think you should be proud of what you did.
2: I was thinking that too. I would be incredibly
0: proud if you' climbed a mountain and yeah. come you know and yeah. come over the other side yeah you' yeah. you've, I- you've looked death in the eye and said, "No, I don't want this," and you went and got yourself clean and uh, there's no question it's a struggle to try and get off It her. is.
1: It is, and there's just such a stigma attached to people that used to use or people that do use. Nobody thinks that you can fully recover. And, or maybe that's just the small-town attitude around here because we literally live in like a one-horse backwards town that if you blink, you're through it. And everybody here, it's like the Bible Belt. That's why I face so much opposition, and I try and educate people about medical marijuana because there's a toxic dump a mile away from where we live and people have cancer. They have all kinds of weird tumors. Like we have a very high rate of cancer in the area. And I try and I'm like, you know, there is a cure. I can't promise it's going to cure, but I can know that it can at least extend your life. It can, you know, there is help available out there. And they just, they hear medical marijuana and they think, Oh, I don't want to be a pothead. I don't want to get high. So I try and use my story. To bring awareness to people, I hate the stigma that's attached to medical marijuana. And I hate people who think that we're just using it as a crutch to get high because it's not the truth. If it wasn't for medical marijuana, I would be dead. I would be dead right now. There's no way I would have stayed off of heroin. There's no way I would have ever had a child. It saved my life. And I just, I want people to know that. Like, it's possible. You can recover there's. Well, it did more. There's you no know, harm sa- in
2: trying. It, it saved your life. It created homeostasis in your system, so that you were able to conceive a child. You know, yes. after trying everything that the medical field knew to be able to get pregnant, and then being told mm-hmm. you can't get pregnant. How long were you on um, cannabis before you actually got pregnant?
1: It was f- a. <laughs> Because I found out, when I found out I was pregnant, I was already eight weeks. So I had still been taking the cannabis oil after I'd gotten pregnant. Were
2: you so stunned? Were you surprised I, that you
1: were oh pregnant? Oh my God. I The whole reason, like, I called off work one day and my job had a policy. The only way you can return to work the next day is if you have a doctor's excuse. So I played hooky. I took the day off to do a girl's day with a couple of family members. And I went to the emergency room that night and just pretty much faked like the flu or something just so I could get a doctor's excuse for the day. And the doctor comes in. He's like, so what's the problem? I'm like, Oh, you know, headache. I'm nauseous. I don't feel good. I can't get out of bed. I really just think I have the flu and I couldn't get out of bed this morning. And the, do- the doctor's standing there and she says, well, I don't know what you want me to do. You're pregnant. What do you expect? And I, I said, now, you have the wrong you have the wrong chart. I'm, I'm not pregnant. I'm just here to get adopted. I can't get pregnant. Well, yeah. I, I said, it's not possible. And she said, well, you're Stacy to be. And I, I said, yeah. And she said, well, we dipped your urine when you came in, and it's positive for pregnancy. I said, well, you need to dip it again because it's not possible. I'm completely sterile. I have medical documentation to prove it like that's not possible you've you dipped the wrong urine or something <laughs> so they redipped me re-dipped. they're like okay we'll go pee again and we'll do it again and so i did it and the doctor came back in and she's like no you're definitely pregnant i just started crying i couldn't stop crying and i was there by myself i didn't have my cell phone with me i'm like do you have a phone i can use like i called my mom and i'm like mom uh, oh my god i'm pregnant and like, she didn't even believe me. She's like, just come home. <laughs> Get your doctor's excuse and just come home. So I come home and I've got my pre- um, prescription for prenatal vitamins and anti-nausea medicine and, and the doctor's slipped for work. And they even gave me my pregnancy test to keep. And I'm like, look, and she just, she didn't know what to say. And my fiance about three hours before I went to the emergency room to get the doctor slip, him and I had decided to break up. It wasn't working. He wanted kids. He wanted a family. It was a dead end with me. So it was amicable. We broke up and I was actually scared to call and tell him because of the coincidence, like three hours ago, we just had this discussion. And now I'm going to call you back and say, Hey, I'm pregnant. Like, there's no way in the world this guy's going to believe me. I sound like one of them little 12-year-olds that are, you know, pretending to be pregnant to not lose their boyfriend or something, you know? (laughs) I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to tell him? So I messaged him. I'm like, um, so you're not going to believe me, but I'm, like, sending him pictures of the pregnancy test and the prescription and the emergency room paper. I'm like, it's legit. Like, it's for real. So we got back together. The next morning, he moved me in with him. And I had made my first doctor's appointment for the OB. And I remember I have never been so scared in my life for the month leading up to this appointment because it just, it was too good to be true. I didn't believe it. I expected to go in that morning and, and them do an ultrasound and there not be a baby there and, you know, apologize for the mistake because it's just it wasn't possible, and I've I'd hit brick wall after brick wall my whole life, and it I was you I wouldn't let myself believe it to protect myself from the letdown because I was convinced that when I went in for that appointment, the sonogram would show that you know the pregnancy tests were wrong, and I'd even had my stuff packed like I was prepared for Brian to kick me out that morning after he found out I wasn't really pregnant. Like I was I was prepared, and. We went to this appointment and I will never forget it. The very first thing that happened as soon as they put that little stick or whatever it's called on my belly and we heard the baby's heartbeat immediately. I don't think I've ever cried. I can't even explain to you the rush of emotions that I felt when I heard that. Like it was every and every prayer I'd ever had answered to me, like just right there. And It never would have happened if I wouldn't have taken the cannabis paste. They Look, there was no cyst on my ovaries. Um, I was able to stop my diabetes medication and my insulin. I didn't take metformin anymore. I had stopped taking my lisinopril and HCTZ for my blood pressure. My blood pressure usually used to run like 200 over 110. And my blood pressure had been consecutively running like 90 over 60. It, it was so low that I had to stop the medications. It just regulated itself. And I was only on this canvas pace for like four months. And that's the only thing that I did differently. I know that that's what it was because nothing else changed. And I had been on these medications my entire life. And then all of a sudden, boom, I, I'm just like cured from head to toe. I didn't need any of my medications. I went from taking like nine pills a day down to taking one And that's just because they didn't want to stop my antidepressant cold turkey. And I went ahead against doctor's orders and stopped taking the Latuda and the Boost Par because I was feeling better than I had in years on the cannabis paste. So I stopped taking it and I didn't need it. Like even a couple months after not taking it, like I wasn't having highs and lows. The depression wasn't there. The anxiety was like pretty much gone completely. Uh, I hadn't been having panic attacks. My hair stopped falling out. The cysts on my ovaries were gone. Um, My period started coming regularly about a month after I started taking the cannabis paste. So it changed my life. It it gave me a whole new life actually, because now I'm a mom. I have a son. Um, I just started taking cannabis paste again, like three days ago, because we're going to try for a second child. And we had, we did the same thing as before. We tried Clomid, we tried doing it naturally. Nothing's worked. So I'm going to do what I know does work. And I'm going to use the cannabis oil and probably, I, I believe, get pregnant again soon.
0: What a remarkable story. It's fantastic that you're a mother of uh, of a son. Hello. And uh, how old is the boy now?
1: He just turned 20 months.
0: 20 Aww. months. That's great.
1: Yeah. yeah. He's hitting terrible twos now. So <laughs> I'm regretting st- every doubt I ever had about having children. It's, <laughs> you know. The double-edged sword.
2: <laughs> Your story literally brought me to tears. I'm sitting here wiping my eyes. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Thank you. It's,
2: it's such an incredible story of so many things that you overcame.
1: Thank you very much. It's it was life-changing. This I tell the lady that because I live in West Virginia, we're not a legal state. So you know, she really risked a lot, putting herself on the line to send this stuff to me. She didn't know somebody could have intercepted that. She didn't know me. I could have been a narc, you know, she went out on the limb and to help somebody, help somebody get clean. She didn't even know about the other health benefits just to help somebody get clean. Another human being, she risked so much. And I owe her, I owe her my life. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a mom. I'm a, I'm about to be a wife. I have the family I had always dreamed of. I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I'm clean. It gave me my life back. It answered prayers that I you know, even though I grew up a strong, devout Christian, you know, you pray for so long for something, you don't and it doesn't happen and you just figure, okay, well this is this is the way it's supposed to be. This is God's will, whatever you want to call it. And to have everything you ever dreamed of just handed back to you is the most incredible feeling in the world. And I just, I want to see other people overcome that. I want to use my platform with people because it's, it's odd. Like, I'm a Republican, Christian, conservative person. Like, I'm the last person in the world that anybody would believe would be this big of an activist for medical marijuana. It's life changing, and I try and I talk to other people with the same views as me, and I talk to people at church, and I just I'm trying to get rid of the stigma and the stereotype that people are bad for using this. You want bad people, it gives lives back, it saves lives. This plant grows from the ground. How can it be bad? You know, I try and take every argument that's brought to me by my peers and I try and show them. It's, it's a myth, it's a stigma, it's, you know, people that are afraid of this that are creating these lies. This is a miracle plant. This is a life-changing medicine. You know, people abuse it just like they abuse anything. My God, they can huff they can floor cleaner. Nothing's safe. If somebody's got it in their mind that they're going to get high, they're going to get high no matter what they have. You know, don't punish the people that really, really need this stuff. Kids are getting their lives back. Kids are, you know, being cured from cancer and not having seizures. How can we keep this from people? I don't understand.
0: Uh, it's all politics. Politics and money. That's, uh, where, exactly. it, that's where it usually leads. Stacy, it was wonderful of you to tell your story. It's uh, very exciting that you're a mother and you're trying for a second child. And I think it's really you should really be proud of yourself for kicking uh, heroin addiction and alcoholism. And I think, uh, people will be really inspired to hear what you have to say. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much for letting me tell my story. I hope it helps if just one person changes their mind or decides to give it a try and it changes their life. Everything I've gone through is worth it.
2: Stacy, thank you so much. Um, I am overwhelmed by your story, and I wish I could reach out and give you a big hug. Oh this my gosh, is amazing. Thank you. thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, guys. Yeah,
0: we'll both and hug, we'll both hug you.
1: Work. Keep doing what you're doing. Bring awareness to this.
0: That's it. another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to tell your story about the use of medical cannabis, send us an email at info at cannabishealthradio.com. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening you've been listening to the cannabis health radio podcast visit our website cannabishealthradio.com and follow us on facebook and twitter